well, they basically said they were intimidated. I would say, well, how did it go with the doctor? Did you ask them any questions? No, no, I didn't. I was like, well, why didn't you? <laughs> like, oh, I didn't want to bother them. I was intimidated. I figured I could figure it out after. I was like, oh my gosh, this is like a real problem. <laughs> and I need people to know that it's okay to ask questions. I need people to know that if they feel like something's not right, they should feel comfortable to speak up and to say something. And I thought it would be cool if I interviewed healthcare providers or those of us who use the system to share these stories so others can hear and learn. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Good Health Cafe, the place to learn about how to navigate the healthcare system and understand health in plain language. I'm your host, Nikita Boston Fisher, and today's guest is me. Today, one of our prior guests, Jeanette Valmont, came back to the Good Health Cafe to interview me. So this is our opportunity to learn more about my background and how things got started here at the Good Health Cafe. I'm not going to say any more because you'll hear it all in the episode. So grab your warm drink and let's get to it. Hi, Jeanette. Welcome back to the Good Health Cafe. As you know, we're doing something different today. You are having the opportunity to interview me, and I'm really excited and looking forward to it. You were a guest here on the Good Health Cafe once. So can you briefly introduce yourself, and then let's take it from there. Okay. Uh, My name is Jeanette Valmont, and yes, I was going to tell the audience when they come by the Good Health Cafe Today, they will see a different spin. Our well-known and beloved Nikita is not the interviewer. She is the interviewee. Let's get started. Nikita, can you please introduce yourself to the audience and tell us a little bit about your background? Sure. So as I sometimes say in my intro here for the Good Health Cafe, my name is Nikita and I am a health educator with a passion for meeting people where they are. But really more behind that is I am, yeah, I studied public health, bachelor's and master's, love it to pieces. I was born and raised in Guyana in South America. I am married. Uh, I have both of my parents still alive, which I find fantastic and a true gift. I have a full-time job and I do this podcasting on the side and I do it really because I have a passion for people. I have a passion for people taking charge of their healthcare, knowing what their rights are, knowing what to expect. Yeah, that's, that's who I am in a nutshell. Okay. Uh, can you tell us how did this come about that you ended up being interviewed by me, Jeanette Belmont? Tell us a story because it's a very, very touching story. (laughs) Oh, you can probably tell that story better than I can. But I asked you if you would be willing to be interviewed for my podcast. And you were gracious enough to say yes. But you had so many questions along the way in terms of preparation. And you were asking me, how did I get started with podcasting and why I do this? And your husband overheard and said, hey, who's the interviewer and who's the interviewee here? (laughs) That's exactly exactly how it happened. What I recall is you came to Hope and Cope and offered your services as a volunteer. And what you had wanted to do is be what we call a phone buddy to a caregiver of a cancer patient. And I was asked to do what I have done for 38 years to give you a one or one training on how one is a phone buddy. 
after the first call, because it was followed by a, a number, I noticed immediately that you were truly special. You were taking this very seriously. You were really listening. The caring and the wish to help that came through was amazing. I thought to myself, here is a genuine gem. I really said to myself, Hope and Cope is blessed to have you. And how blessed is the caregiver who would have your shoulder to speak, to lean on. You listened, when you listened, you truly, truly listened. After that, I didn't know anything about you. I looked you up, I saw what you were doing and I said, oh my, if there's anybody who can interview and listen, you take in every word. I can never imagine you as most people today, unfortunately, they listen with one ear, but they're sending an email with their fingers. You give it your all and boy, it came through. So that's how I realized how special you were. When you asked me if I would wanna be interviewed and I had a lot of questions, it's true. I said, oh, of course, what an honor. And it is an honor for me now to interview you. How did you hear about Hope and Cope? Thank you for those kind words that you shared, Jeanette. And yeah, you took us way back to our introduction in, in asking that, and that's nice. Let's clear that up for everyone. So I first met you through Hope and Cope, as you say. How did I learn about Hope and Cope? Well, my husband and now podcast editor and, and assistant chief, he unfortunately was diagnosed with cancer. At the time, he was 30 and I was 29. So we were very young. And I remember on the first day of chemo, we went to the oncology ward. He was going to have a full day of chemo, like six hours. And I was all over it. The nurse gave us a backpack because we were young adult cancer patients. We got this nice backpack from this place called Vibok. And mm -hmm. in the backpack was a list of resources of places you can go, things you can do, what to look out for, um, like in terms of symptoms and things now that you're on chemo. And so that whole day while he was getting his treatment, I was reading everything in every paper that was in that packet. I was like, I need to know everything about everything. And one of the folders in that packet, one of the flyers was for Hope and Cope. And Hope and Cope, as folks may know from if they listen to your episode, is a support center for cancer patients. And so part of the services that Hope and Cope offered was they had a young adult group. It was called Cancer Fight Club. And right. so I got all excited about Cancer Fight Club. And I was like, oh my gosh, we're going to have to sign up for this. <laughs> and that's how I learned about Hope and Cope. And it actually took me a little bit of prodding to get Samuel to even want to participate. He's like, no, no, I'm fine. I'm going to stay home. I'm going to manage this and do it all by myself, you know? <laughs> but what I observed is that there was not a lot of support for caregivers. They were caregiver support groups and they were offerings for caregivers, but there was no, there seemed to be no offering for young caregivers. There was nothing for like people my age. And so once we got on the other side of this whole cancer journey, I thought, you know, I'm going to call and I'm going to say that I'm available. If there's an ever another young caregiver who wants someone to talk to, I'm going to make myself available. Please take my phone number <laughs> and let them know that I'm there because I do think being a young adult caregiver is night and day different from being like 
what I call a full adult, fully blown caregiver, maybe in your 60s or 70s. So it's a different perspective. If you need someone, I'm here. So I told the folks at Hope and Cope that, and that's how I got in touch with you because they did want me to talk to a caregiver at one point. And they said, well, yeah, we're going to talk to Jeanette and Jeanette is going to kind of coach you on how to have your first phone call. And I was really appreciative of that because I know that, you know, sometimes it's very easy to say the wrong thing because I feel like I was on the receiving end of hearing a lot of wrong things. Yeah. And so I, I was really diligent and really wanted to be a good student in working through this with you so that I can be a proper support and not just say placating words that mean nothing to no one, having lived that experience myself. So yeah, <laughs> that's how we got connected. And it came through so well. Now we've established the hope and cope part. Mm -hmm. How did you ever think of doing podcasts? Like as a medium, how did this whole dream or idea, I can see the listening part. Mm -hmm. I can see your desire to help, like what I call, let's call it the underdog, the mm -hmm. unserved, uh, the people who are left behind. But you chose podcasts. How did that come to you? That's a great question, because to, to be honest, I was not an avid podcast listener to begin with. Like I had heard the term, but I wasn't quite sure what it was. But after I started having like these healthcare navigation experiences and after speaking to one or two people who I felt, well, they basically said they were intimidated, I would say, well, how did it go at the doctor? Did you ask them any questions? No, no, I didn't. I was like, well, why didn't you? <laughs> like, oh, I didn't want to bother them. I was intimidated. I figured I could figure it out after. I was like, oh my gosh, this is like a real problem. <laughs> and I need people to know that it's okay to ask questions. I need people to know that if they feel like something's not right, they should feel comfortable to speak up and to say something. And I thought it would be cool if I interviewed healthcare providers or those of us who use the system to share these stories so others can hear and learn. And I was thinking, well, what would be the best way? What would be the easiest way for people to hear this? And then I felt like podcasting was a good method. It was available on demand. So I can put the episode up there and you can listen at your convenience while you're doing your laundry, if you're driving in your car somewhere. And folks who are often shy, who don't want to say anything, it's great because they just get to be a fly on the wall. They just get to hear me and you talking and then you get to say, oh, yes, that's right. I remember feeling that way. Or, oh, I, I totally resonate. Okay. Okay. Now, now. I feel like I'm going to do it. And it's also great because you can send it to your friend after, or you can pause and you can say, mom, dad, come listen to this. She's talking exactly about what we were talking about earlier today. So I, I just felt like it was a good medium because of the way it operates, that it's available later for people. They can pause, they can stop, they can rewind, and they can do it whenever they want. So I get to <laughs> interview someone, they get to respond to me, and we get to feed off of each other. And as a, a patient myself who was interviewed, mm -hmm. it is so validating. And the feedback that I have had, it's amazing to hear, oh, that, that was my problem. The need for people to get that courage to question, to get that courage to be supported. Our, our health system is, is so fragile right now. And we are so intimidated and so scared that if we ask the wrong question, maybe the doctor won't like us. Maybe he won't call us back. 
you give us that liberty, you push and you say, please feel free, do it. It's your life, do it. Did you ever consider any other subject other than health or given your background and given your experience? Because I mean, you're very talented. I know you make candles. You could have gone podcasting in decorating. You always knew that what you wanted was health, right? Yes. Uh, the thought of doing a podcast on any other topic never crossed my mind. After I started my podcast, actually, one of my coworkers said, you know, you should have named your podcast according to Nikita, because you often have opinions on things. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I know. But yeah, I've always been passionate about health, Jeanette. Ever since I've known myself, I've just always been fascinated with being healthy or not dying, as my mom would say, and health promotion and prevention, because I guess I somehow always instinctively knew that our health was all we had, like growing up and seeing people die from things that could be so easily prevented. It just upsets me. These problems have been solved. People should not be suffering from these things. And I want to be able to be part of the solution. And initially, I always thought, well, I'll be a doctor. And then I can, you know, treat people. And then I discovered this domain called public health, health promotion, health education. And I realized, whereas like the doctor-patient relationship is very much one-to-one -one, with health promotion and health education, you get to impact many people at a time. And particularly if you're working in lower resource settings or something like that, by the time you get to the doctor, it's too late. We want people to know as much as they can beforehand so they can be prevented. Prevention is better than cure, as they say. So true. Did you have this desire to go into a health podcast before always? Was it reinforced by the fact that you had this unfortunate experience yourself? Definitely after the experience I had, the, the thought of creating a podcast or putting myself out there in the world in any way never crossed my mind. As you know, I'm very shy and behind the scenes. But after my experience, I thought, you know, there were some things that happened along the way that made me think, hmm. now I studied public health. I have a little mm -hmm. bit of background and knowledge in, in how these things work. And this is confusing for me. How much more somebody who has no idea, no, no relative exposure to any of these topics through academic coursework or anything else, if I'm finding some difficulty, how much more the average person? So when I actually got to sit and reflect about this and think about the questions that I had and the nervousness I was feeling, I was like, oh my gosh, I have to do this for somebody else. Other people <laughs> need to know. And then also I was getting frustrated at the time with all the conflicting information that we tend to receive on a daily basis and about health not being spoken in plain language. Like I was looking at how things were unfolding with COVID and, you know, people on the news, they were trying to explain things to folks, but they were using big words. They were seeming conflicting in their messages. And I'm like, how is anybody supposed to understand what they're supposed to do? <laughs> and so that kind of reinforced my desire to create a platform where we can talk about these things, but always, always at a level that most people can get. Not too much jargon, not too many big words, and always, as much as possible, ask the questions that people might be too shy to ask because, oh, I don't want to seem silly or I don't want to look like I don't know what's going on. 
So I would say my experience plus the events of the past few years really impacted it. The diversity of your subjects or your interviews, you have such enormous diversity. How do you pick them or how do they come to you or how do you get them? Because I read through them and my goodness, you have touched that there's something there for everybody. Yeah. It's, it's magnificent. How do you get all these people to come to you? Ooh, well, I look for them to some extent. <laughs> I tap sometimes people I know, people that have been in my network already that I feel like would have a good message to share with the audience or can really provide information in a helpful and relatable way. That's one way. So if I, people I know, and then I've also been fortunate enough to have folks refer others to me say, oh, like, for example, if I had a guest on, they're like, oh, I really enjoyed this. And you know what, you should talk to so-and-so because they're also doing something similar. And I think they would be a great fit. So I've had reaching out directly, word of mouth referrals. And then sometimes I just message people cold. I don't know them. They don't know me. I take the chance of reaching out and inviting them on the assumption that the worst they could say is no. I have also had folks reach out to me and ask if they can be on the podcast. And if I think they're a fit, I say, yes, sure. Would love to have you. Thank you so much for reaching out. How long have you been doing these? Once you got the idea, when did you get started? I think I got started within a month of having the idea. And I've been doing it for a little over a year now. I started in September of 2020. And when you started, I'm sure you were a little nervous. Did it feel right, right away when you were doing it? Did you get a feeling, oh, this is what I wanted to do. It feels great. I was a little nervous, but I loved it from the start. I felt like, oh, I finally found my thing. I'm in my element. I am loving this. How long does it take you to produce a podcast from the moment let's say that you choose the person then you interview the person then you have to edit it then you have to put it online in terms of hours how long does it take you to do one? Oh my goodness many many hours maybe at least six to eight it's also a little bit of a hard question to answer because the work is shared a little bit because my husband does some and I do some so I will do an initial listen through and and make notes of things that need to be deleted or where the sound sounds funny. And then he'll go back and try to fix those things that I don't have the patience (laughs) for. Yeah. And then of course, there's normally researching and finding guests, asking the questions, any sort of pre-meeting that I have to do with them to make them feel comfortable and answer their questions. Uh, creating the social media post, writing the episode. Oh my goodness. As I list all that, yeah. <laughs> probably <laughs> probably 10 hours. <laughs> and, and you're doing about two a month or more? Uh, about four. Oh my goodness. Really? Yeah. How do you find, how do you find the time to do that? Plus your day job? Yeah. Oh yeah. Cause I do have a day job. <laughs> That's <laughs> my night job. <laughs> That's your night job. And the pay is not great. No, it, it's not. <laughs> Well, you know, there is there is some level of reward from knowing that people enjoy what I do and that they're <laughs> and that they're benefiting. But um, how do I find the time? Honestly, it requires a little bit of discipline in terms of setting structure for myself. Okay, this has to be done by let's say Monday evening. 
because if I don't do my part, then Samuel's waiting on his part yeah, or right. knowing that, or for me, always having a date, having some sort of goalpost or marker is essential because I know. So for example, if I know that I have an interview with you, well, I need to be prepared for that interview. So I, now I have that <laughs> as that work to do. Yes. So making sure that that's set. <laughs> okay. I've got to get Jeanette's questions ready. She needs them a week in advance. And so having the accountability of the guest and also working with someone on the editing helps keep me on track. Have you ever had to turn a guest away? Like really somebody who you know really, really wants to be come to the Good Health Cafe and you, you it's no good. Have you ever had to turn somebody away? I have. I have. I have done that before. And I mean, I don't. I don't know if the person was truly devastated, but I, I did listen to them and I I had a in, I had an initial call with them before a recording call and I just felt like they weren't a fit and I don't want to have anyone that's not a fit. So no. I, I said unfortunately, thank you, but no thank you. And along the same line, is there any subject that is totally taboo? Because I was looking at everything, as I said before, the diversity of your interviews is just amazing. Is there any taboo where you say that I won't touch? Maybe there is, but I haven't gotten there yet. I have not had a topic come up or be suggested that I felt like I didn't want to touch or explain. So none comes to mind at the moment, but if one ever comes up, you'll be the first, <laughs> you'll be the first one I tell. Jeanette, I found that taboo topic that I'm not. Yeah, you'll touching. let me know, please. What is it? <laughs> Definitely. In your eyes, what makes a great podcast for you? In my eyes, a great podcast is one where it flowed really well, where the where I felt like the speaker and I were able to address the topic simply, and one where I just know, wow, so much good, valuable information was shared here. There's no way someone can listen and not walk away with something useful. So I guess for me, it's it's fun, it's pleasurable, and it's informative. Now I'm going to really put you on the spot. Can you choose, please, one really favorite one? Very <laughs> best favorite one. That's hard. I don't think I have a favorite. There are certain moments from certain podcasts that stand out to me for various reasons. Perhaps it was something the person said that I felt really resonated or just because I thought that the topic was so well covered and it, like things were addressed that I hear people say all the time. But from your episode, for example, you said you, sometimes you're, you can never regain your peace of mind. That hit home for me. I 100% believe it. I feel like I live it every day. So true. There was one episode with a mom, her, she was Julie Payette. Her episode was called Can't Argue Data. And the way she just advocated for her son and constantly made effort, she repeatedly called to get the appointment when she wasn't getting an appointment, she showed up in person. <laughs> I love that level of tenacity. Yeah, yeah. And it's so essential sometimes to get what you need. And so that one stood out. Well, oh, I did one on infertility and I enjoyed that one because that topic is actually a little bit 
taboo and hard for many people. Lots of people live shrouded in shame. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed that one because of how vulnerable the guest was in sharing her challenges and how she overcame it. Because I know for sure someone somewhere <laughs> benefited from that. So those are you that stand out to me. When you interviewed me, I got the sense that you were truly, truly engaged, truly, truly listening and interested in what I had to say. You make it seem like really, really easy. What are the tough parts of being a host and an interviewer? One challenge that I have sometimes is some guests like you to send the questions ahead of time. You don't always have to. But for the ones who received the questions ahead of time, sometimes what I have is the challenge of the overprepared guest. So they already know what questions I want to ask. So when I ask question A, they kind of give me two or three paragraphs that cover questions A, B, and C without allowing me the time to interject to ask my new question. Because now it's like they're giving a little bit of a presentation and it doesn't uh, flow as naturally. But yeah, I think that would be one challenge that I sometimes have. And that would take away from the feeling of a conversation. Yeah. So then I have to try to interject to ask my questions so that we still have that feeling of a back and forth. Because I want what? to be casual and comfortable. Exactly. Have you ever had a case of an interviewer who goes off tangent completely, completely? A little bit, yeah. <laughs> How can you bring a, a, a person like that back without being rude and saying, you know what, let's get back to topic? Ooh, <laughs> good question. <laughs> uh, sometimes I just maybe try to repeat the question a different way, or sometimes I just wait maybe to see if perhaps there's a connection that's going to arise. But if it seems like nothing's quite producing fruit and I'm not seeing the link, I might say, okay, so, oh, does that tie back into how you do blah, 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 which was the question I asked or try and try to restate it in a different way. And that helps sometimes. Good for you. I guess I'm just trying to make it difficult for you. What do you do with an interviewer who on the contrary, doesn't stop talking? You want to ask a question and you can't put in a word that rambles and doesn't stop. I wait. Good I for wait. you. <laughs> Good for you. You know, uh, I invited my guests because I want them to speak, to share their story, to give whatever pearls of wisdom I saw in them that I felt would be useful and valuable to the guest. And so I invited you here. So I feel like as your host, <laughs> I need to give you that room. And If if it feels like, I mean, in the unlikely event that somebody's been talking for 30 minutes straight and I couldn't get a word in edgewise, then, you know, maybe I'll interject, but it's never been to that extreme. I I just let people share. And I've observed that people, sometimes they like to share. They want, it's it's helpful or therapeutic for them to, to share their experience. So I give them that space. It's very helpful to share. I was just trying to make it harder for you because it it looks so easy and I know it's not. So I just wanted to know how you handle these tough situations. Thank you. Since you are in the driver's seat today as the 
host and the interviewer, you you get to make it hard for me if you want. So good. I, your liberty. That's what I wanted to do. Have you ever had something just turn completely wrong? Either the, the person is aggressive. Um, I would think most of all, like somebody who becomes aggressive as they're telling their story about the, how they navigate the system and you don't like the tonality. Has that ever happened to you? No, I, I'm blessed. Well, I you're guess. lucky. I, I, I've been blessed. I've had lovely, lovely, sweet guests. <laughs> you know, I think if someone gets, I can't necessarily imagine aggressive, but maybe impassioned as they share their story, maybe a little angry as they remember it. That's it. I, I think that's fair. I think that's that's all right. And I think it's okay to, sh to show that emotion because- our health is so important. It's kind of all we have, <laughs> you know? So if, if they're recounting something that was upsetting to them, I feel like it's necessary to give them that space. And for people to see too, you know, I'm not the only one who experienced X or Y or who feels this strongly about something. You, what you do is so valuable. Again, I repeat, as a patient myself, I, I felt really so validated in being able to explain what I had been through and knowing that other people will relate to it. How do people give you feedback if they want to? If they want to, they can message me. So on my website, thegoodhealthcafe.com, I do have a feedback form or contact us page. If anyone ever wanted to send me a message to say how they felt about a podcast. Uh, also, I am on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn and those types of social media also have direct messaging apps. And so people have sent me messages that way as well. What is really, really the most, and I think you mentioned it before, the most rewarding aspect of this work for you? What's most rewarding? Definitely yeah. whenever I hear from someone who has listened and said they enjoyed it, or I heard your guest so-and-so, and it really made me feel better about X, Y, and Z, that makes it all worth it. Because I'm doing this because I want people to benefit. I want people to have the tools, resources, and information they need <laughs> to have more pleasant healthcare experiences. So that makes me so happy. What keeps you motivating to keep looking for other topics, other people and keep going? What keeps me motivated is knowing that there's still more to uncover. There's still more to do. Uh, for example, I've had some audience requests for certain topics and knowing that someone's kind of waiting on me to cover the topic that they have, I feel a sense of responsibility there to Someone's got a question and I want to help them answer it. They've trusted me with this, so I need to do it. And, and that's motivating for me. And it must be a wonderful feeling. You interviewed me. I had a call from a colleague who listened to the interview. And she said, Jeanette, you spoke about feeling validated because on that day they found your diagnosis. I am going through that this week. And you have no idea the impact that it had on me to read that and I had like a, a eureka moment. This is it, this is how I feel. What's next for you with the podcast? Have you given it every, any thought? Yes, I have a lot of ideas for the podcast. I love the podcast, it's my baby. 
And what's next for me, what I think would be really useful to the listeners is to create a space for more interaction and live interaction, I would say. So when they listen to the Good Health Cafe podcast right now, they're like a fly on the wall. They can't necessarily get to interject or ask their questions. And so I wanted to create a group membership or a group experience and call it the Good Health Cafe Lounge, where we can meet once or twice a month and folks can come on on Zoom and we can talk about the episodes. If they have questions on healthcare navigation, they can ask it, they can share their stories and experiences. If they wanted reference another episode, oh, I heard on your episode with Jeanette that you spoke about X, Y, or Z. Can you explain that to me in a bit more detail? Or I heard on this episode, blah, blah, blah. So I see creating an experience like that as a great opportunity for people to have their questions answered, share their experiences all in a safe space. And I can help them with their navigation issues too, if they needed help finding something or wanting to know who should I contact for what. So I'm extremely resourceful that way. I think it's a wonderful idea, particularly in the context of today, everything will remain virtual for a long time. So it's easier to meet. You don't have to find a location and decide where people are going to go and where are they going to park and when are they, what's a good time. Yeah. I think that everybody is feeling a certain degree of isolation. Everybody. Now, more than ever, I would really find it lovely. Now, there are a lot of support groups out there and somebody may say to you, well, but there's a lot of support groups. The thing with a support group is that support groups have a theme. They're focused. It's a support group for cancer. It's a support group for a broken leg or for uh, an eye. This would be unique in the sense that it would be general. The questions would come. You, you don't have to have a specific illness or a specific condition to come and to share. So that's why I really believe it's a lovely idea. And did you ever consider, Nikita, would you charge for this kind of a group? Would you yes. consider like a subscription? How would, what are your thoughts on that? It would be like a monthly subscription. Of course, you can cancel anytime. But yeah. yes, it would be a subscription and they'll join in. They'll get all the information they need to, to meet the Zoom links for the two meetings per month. They'll get resources and summaries of the discussions that were had and We'll have a place where we can all meet online and share ideas in between meetings. And yeah, you can join anytime, you can leave anytime. And I think it's cool as well. Part of the subscription, it will probably be a nominal fee, but part of it is you get that commitment. And you know, sometimes when you pay for it, then you're more likely to show up. And then you're also guaranteed that I'll be there for you regardless. That's it. I was going to say it works both ways. You're more likely to show up, but you're more likely to know that you're going to be there because mm -hmm. different to a, a normal support group that is free, very often if a facilitator finds at the last minute that they only have one person or two, others have canceled, they will cancel the session. And the one or two who were waiting all week for it are very disappointed. This way, if I subscribe, I know you're going to be there. Mm -hmm. And if it's only two of us, so it'll be quality for two of us. But I know mm -hmm. I can count on you. And if it's that important for me, I'm not going to be disappointed. So I think having a subscription, very good idea. And as I mentioned in my interview, when you're in a group like that, you don't get that feeling of compassion, fatigue, that other people around you have already heard this 10 times. It's a neutral zone. 
Nikita, I'm very pleased because we got, I got to know you better as a person and I know what you do and your skills of interviewing come from that intense passion for listening and you do it beautifully. And on that note, I'll, I'll end. Big hug to all our audience. Thank you, Jeanette. This was an absolute pleasure. <laughs> I enjoyed having the tables turned on me and having to answer the questions. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to me. If you're interested in the group, send me a message or click the link in our show notes. It will take you directly to our website, which allows you to either A, send me a message or B, subscribe to our mailing list so that you will know when the lounge starts and other exciting activities. You'll be up to date on all that goes on around the cafe. Thank you again for listening and have a great day. Until next time, see you in the cafe later. Bye.